Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. Okay, wait, have I told you guys about how I have a sword now? Have you seen the sword? You have a sword? A sword? Yeah. What happened? What did you, how did this happen? So last weekend, like eight days ago, um, I went to Kitchener to help my stepmom move boxes into her attic. You may or may not know this. She's, right. she's in town until Thursday. Uh, because she's running at her house finally nice. so she had to get the house ready for tenants which involved putting all the boxes in the attic which is where she's going to keep her stuff and um so she's been putting aside random stuff for me that like was my dad's or whatever so one of and she was like you don't have to keep it she had a big dumpster in the in the driveway she's like you don't have to keep it but i just this is all stuff that i didn't want to throw away because i wanted to make sure that you didn't want it i knew about the sword because my dad's cousin one of my uncles i would call him even though he's my first cousin once removed every time i see him He's like, your dad had this sword that used to belong to Uncle Donald. Do you know what happened with it to it? And I'd be like, yeah, it's in the basement. It's just there. And he'd be like, okay, I'm really, I just, he's writing a book about his, his Uncle Donald. So like my dad's uncle who died in World War II. He was an RCAF pilot and he was shot down. But like there's this sword that was his that he got on his just like young man's tour of Europe before the war. And it has a little like star of David on it, which I don't know what that's about. Hmm. And it's very ornate and it needs to be polished. And like, it has a sheath and or scabbard. Okay. Scabbard. And I don't know what to do with it. Adam thinks that we should hang it on the, like, you should definitely hang it on your wall. Yeah. But like we're in the kitchen, the like little drop down thing where there's a clock right now. Adam thinks we should hang it there ultimately. But like their time will tell, right? So it's just sitting on top of the buffet. But also on the top of the buffet right now is the top of the grandfather clock that I also brought back with me. Hmm. So I actually have a picture of this because Jean-Luc still goes up there. So I have this picture of Jean-Luc in front of the top of a grandfather clock with a sword in front of her. Okay, because I use random photos for all this podcast. Can I use that particular photo for this podcast? I'm going to show it to you, but I don't think it's very good because the lighting was bad. I got to point out that we used... I use like random photos of Dickon for the podcast. If anyone wonders where all these photos come from that their podcast is, uh, it's just usually things I took random pictures of. I also of. brought that double boiler home. Uh, okay. So, well, yeah, we need to include this. Uh, it's a great sword. Uh, people need to see the sword. But so she knocked it off today while I was doing dishes. It was oh. like this loud, multiple thing clatter because this small cat knocked a sword off. Do you want to see the sword, Paul? In my first year of university, I used, uh, I used one of those really cheap swords. Uh, I used one of those really cheap swords to play ping pong. Uh, and then it broke. That's sad. Yeah, but, I, I assume yeah. that this sword is like silver. I don't know what its deal is. I guess my uncle will probably want to know. Probably he'll have a book launch soon, actually. I volunteered at his last book launch to handle any sales. Hmm. Uh, and so maybe I'll bring it to this one. Can you bring a sword out in public, or is it like a weapon? I think you can. I think, I don't know, to be honest, actually. I feel like you can, but you probably have to do something specific to make it obvious that it's not a weapon. Like, you can actually carry around bear spray, which is technically a weapon, but you can carry it around as long as you don't use it. The second you use it, then you have to assault with a deadly weapon. Or Mm -hmm. assault with a weapon. But as long as you just carry it around, you could be going camping, and no one knows. Yeah. Uh, So that's like a weird thing about bear spray, I learned. Great. Uh, but we've now, we've now, now we've oh, wait, yeah. a good amount of time. Are we recording a podcast? Well, this is, well, to be fair, I think everyone tunes into this podcast to learn about your swords. Okay. 
So. I thought that they just wanted to hear what I had for lunch. Well, no. No, they switched. The, this, our audience is, has, used to be interested in your lunch. Then they learned about Paul's cereal habits and gave up. Okay. And now they're into swords. Well, I'm Brianne, proud and sword owner. I'm Stefan and sad lack of sword owner. And today, well, we're going to talk about... Um, experimentation? Experimentation. Did you experiment with the voice there? <laughs> I did. Cool. I experimented with how to fill space when I forgot the word that I was looking for. Yeah. Well, okay, so yes, that's the idea. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll, I guess we'll play the story at the end. Uh, it's a story I told at our one-year anniversary. Whoa. I know. Um, way to go us, seven months ago now. Jeez, Eight months ago. I don't even know. Oh, many months ago. Work. Anyways, uh, and so the idea here is that uh, we've, like, you know, yourself and myself and Paul, I've now told, I don't know, 15 stories, maybe? I think that's a safe 16-ish. guess. 16-ish. Uh, also, just as a side, just so our podcast audience can understand, hey, gentlemen, uh, there's we're in a room in which there's one one glass window, uh, and the gentleman took began to take down a screen, and then saw us, made a weird face, and then slowly raised the screen again. <laughs> so that was just a fun time. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so the the thing is that we've now told a whole bunch of stories, and which means. Uh, and yet we're still telling stories, and so some extent you we like our sh- because it's our our show and it continues to do our show. We can't repeat our, all our stories, uh, and because we're, we're not going from story, we're not like you know a lot of storytellers repeat their own stories. We'll go from different events and tell different to different audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas we, uh, you know, you, you get can't really do that. Is a short for them. Right. Well, we keep telling stories at our own event, and so we keep wanting to have new stories because that's one of our priorities. Yeah. But one of the things that happens when you're trying, when, when your theme is specifically is 15, is stories we don't tell, mm-hmm. and you need to come up with a new story that you haven't told before every month, you need to start looking for different interpretations of what that means, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that's what involves, a lot of, like, that's what involves experimenting with form. Uh, it's something that I've really started doing a lot uh, because... I don't have the life fraught of with uh, with 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 sadness uh, to keep digging into that well. Yeah, uh, and so I've I've had to not not mentioning who has. I'm just saying I haven't. I don't know what you mean. Uh, and and so instead, so I've just started trying other weird things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story you'll hear later today is actually one that I actually think is quite important to me. Uh, but the the sort of story that we're like, I guess in part, what happened here was that the story I wanted to tell. Uh, was or the story that it's really based around is something I told a lot of people. I mm-hmm. got back and it was like the thing I told people. It was like, of course, this ridiculous thing happened. Right. Uh, like you know, this it's it's about my brother being late for a bus. My brother's always late. Uh, so it was like one of those quintessential, of course, this thing would happen to me kind of moments. Yeah, and uh, so and so that piece or like that summary of the story. Yeah, it was not a story that you didn't tell. It was, no, I told it a bunch. Told it everywhere. Uh, and so the, the question was, how do you make that story? And also, like, I guess, was like, and what's interesting about it is the story that I would tell of that version kind of didn't fully articulate what the whole event felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially the ending of the story really had a deeper meaning for me while it was happening. But when you can't tell the, f- the story that I tell in this thing frivolously. Uh, you can't just, and also because it, it's weird. Yeah. Like it's a really weird, this would be a really weird story to just be like, hey, at a bar, this is what I thought. Because uh, it like requires a lot of weird backtracking. I, rep- I, like, I use repetition a bunch in this story, so I just repeat right. a bunch of things. Yeah. Which is also really weird to do in like a, in just a jovial chat. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's, that's one of the things about experimentation is that at first, I mean, I would say that we were never really focused on telling a story in the same way that you would tell it in a bar. But because mm-hmm. we were coming from an essay format, a lot of like 
it sounds certainly for me sound more like I write than like I talk. But even with that, they still kind of follow the normal expression rules. Like they're linear and they're, you can understand why one sentence follows the next and that kind of thing. And one of the ways that you end up and you especially end up experimenting with stories is using things like repetition because it, it plays on how people hear a story, right? Like I would say in this case, it kind of plays on nostalgia actually, because it's Mm -hmm. a rhyme. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marching song. What yes. it is. I'd like to call it a chant. Okay, it's a marching chant. Great. So it like it plays off of this thing for people, even if they're not familiar with it. And when you start to repeat things, you're you know you're loading something with meaning, in a way, in a different way than if you are explaining what a feeling is in your body. But mm. the goal is to just give extra meaning to what you're telling yeah. people. And so finding different ways to do that becomes kind of the goal, I think. Yeah, is and what I you're think. About. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think. I assume. So much, yes, exactly. Um, but I think also this experiment, as but the 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 song, the, the chant that I use in this one, uh, really actually is effective or helps me jump back in time without it being weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I don't I don't announce my jumping back in time except for repeating this rhyme, right, or this chant. Or uh, like maybe it's weird, but it's weird on purpose and in a way that you're still telling people. Well, yeah. I just want to clarify that for some people, the whole event is weird. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. But they're also, these people listening to our podcast, so they've heard other stories. Maybe. Uh, John Finn's story, uh, which is, uh, which like is the quintessential version of, I have feelings, but they don't make a story. So I'm going to do something. Yeah. So let's talk about, kind of about that one. Because we didn't, in the episode where we played that story, we didn't talk, talk about, about it too much. No. Yeah. If we talked about it at all. Um, and I think that's a great example of what we're kind of talking about is that he, from how he was working through it, he had a feeling. And we mm. talk about this with other stories, right? Where we're like, maybe just think about the theme that you want to talk about and then think about the feeling that you're trying to capture and then work backwards. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've learned and that I think you started to experiment and then he started to ex- experiment with is that there are other ways to capture a feeling, which of isn't a surprise exactly, but in the still the storytelling format, there are other ways to capture a feeling than one linear story about one moment or series of moments in time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 John's story uh, is is an example of of really taking a different tact. There's no plot that you follow through. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there's there's like three vignettes, right? Four, four vignettes, four vignettes, um, and they become increasingly detached from reality. Yeah. That is to say, I think the first one, he tells it exactly as it happened. Yeah. And then the next one, he revises reality slightly, but you don't know that until the end. Yeah. And the third one is the same as the second one. Yeah. And it's interesting because it plays with, I mean, in an event like this, where most people are telling like gut wrenching true stories, it plays with our expectation of that because we're expecting it to be true in the like, traditional meaning of the word let's say (laughs) um but like truth is meaningless yeah or 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 as or as i often hear from uh, people who do folk tales uh it can be factual uh and true or it can be true without being factual Mm -hmm. uh and so like it can be factual without being true or it can be true. No, 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 factual and it can be factual and true, or it can just be true. Like right. a lot of okay. the idea is that a lot of the folk tales are still telling a truth, but they right. aren't, you know, you know, they're about hand fish, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's, I think that's the other way experimentation can work is that you can find another, you can find other ways to get to feelings. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then to sort of bring it back to, to this story that we're about to hear of, of, of mine, um, and actually to the story I just told uh, the last event, uh, which eventually will be on this podcast, um, I, I, the one other thing I found it useful for is if you're, I'm trying to find a way that something does mean something to me, but I don't exactly know how to articulate it, uh, it sort of going outside the box gives you a way to do that. It gives mm-hmm. you a way to sort of, you know, it's like, I can't, I can't just explain directly the white reason why I feel. I can't be like, this means this because this. Or you can, but that's bad storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go further outside of the sort of generic, uh, you know, just narrative, straight narrative style, uh, it gives you that opportunity to, to infuse meaning in a story without having, to, without having to just directly tell people why it means something to you. Mm-hmm. Which can be telling parallel stories, which can be... Yeah, speaking outside of yourself, which can be all kinds of things that break up the narrative. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with so if, do you have any other thoughts on, on experimentation? Um, I don't think so. Just to say, like, it, we kind of positioned it as something that's like, well, once you tell all of your gut-wrenching truths right. and then you're looking for a way to talk about other truths, this is a thing that you can do. And that's not the whole of it. I mean, you can start there. Like what we're talking about when we're talking about storytelling and stories we don't tell specifically are finding ways to, I think, expose and showcase feelings that we don't talk about. Mm. And they're, they're generally couched in these moments and these moments are what make the stories. And so this is just a different way to say like, hey, if you have a feeling that you don't know how to express, here are some ways to experiment with that yeah, yeah, expression. I think that, yeah. It's not just like, Okay, well, when your life is out of interesting anecdotes, here's what you do next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you can use it in a way to you can use it at any point in time, and I think some people use it in in ways that are, uh, you know, even even you know, Marcus of previous of Heinz, who's told stories on our show before, you know, told one story that was just a phone conversation with him and his sister, the entire Straight thing. dialogue, uh, which was the weirdest story. Yeah. Uh, but in like was, a magical way. Yeah, exactly. It was a yeah. very, but it still was interesting and yeah. it worked. And it was an experiment. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think the, I think the, t- the takeaway here is that uh, you can try, try something. Like try something. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you can tell. Uh, but it can also make a story that would be really, really hard to convey or, or difficult to explain the motion uh, a whole lot easier mm-hmm. uh, and can provide, it opens up a whole new gamut of, of storytelling, really. Yeah. Uh, when you sort of pull yourself outside of just the I have no I'm going to tell a straight narrative style. I have no idea what John's going to bring next. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. Based on his last thing. So. I can only imagine. I can't wait. Uh, but you know, I hope you Keep can. Listening Keep listening. Keep listening. Eventually will happen. Uh, but here is me. Stefan Hostetter. Take it away, me. You have five minutes. I cannot give you any more time. I nod and turn down the steep steps and back onto the Brooklyn sidewalk. Fuck. 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 Redial. I hear the giggle at the beginning of his custom voice message. (laughs) Hang up. Fuck. The already sizable ball of anxiety that sits in my chest begins to expand further, pushing the air out of my lungs. Without thinking, my feet begin to move, away from the bus, away from everyone else. I have five minutes. 
left, left, left my wife and 45 kids in a starving condition with nothing but gingerbread think I did right, right, right from the country Hayford Strawford shift my jingle left, left. My parents separated when I was four. My sister was nine and my brother three. And throughout the years, my weird split-level family was only held together by the incredible work of my parents, who remained remarkably amicable. I can close my eyes and I can picture myself sitting in the back of my dad's van, my brother in front of me and my sister riding shotgun as the lights of the Danforth flash through our car windows. Because you see, my dad lived five minutes away walking to where we went to school. And so on the nights we'd stay with our mom, he'd drive the half hour to pick us up and drive us home to sleep. Being in transit became almost a second or a third home for us. One that most commonly only Dave and I shared. Left, left. I reached the cross street and the mouth of the steps from the subway gaped at me, mocking me in their emptiness. I'd just left a bus of 45 activists in a dubious position with nothing but a promise that I would be back soon with him. But if I'm being honest, I don't really know where he is. And if I'm being really honest, I don't even know where I am, except for the name of the street that the bus is parked on. And when I'd volunteered to leave one of five buses to New York, never once did it occur to me that I might not be on the bus back. But now, I was four minutes away from that reality. I frantically glance up and down the street, and I still don't see him. I call again. Voicemail. Fuck. I look back to see the four remaining buses, all waiting to make the convoy back to Toronto. All waiting for one last person. My seatmate. My brother, Dave. <laughs> I learned a lot about the regulations that long-distance bus drivers face during this trip. And the most important one is that they are legally not allowed to work longer than 12 consecutive hours. The bus from New York to Toronto takes 10. They've already been waiting for us for two to board. My anxiety had now transcended anything I'd felt before. I couldn't hold together a single thought longer than a brain synapse, and my breath was shallow, eyes darted everywhere, and then back to my phone. Where are you? Three minutes. My phone buzzes. A picture I took months before in Portugal pops up. Dave's standing, his back turned to me, looking out at the Atlantic Ocean. Where are you? I half yell, or fully yell, into the phone. I'm just outside the station. His voice is indignant. Where are you? The bus? The bus is on Clinton, right? What? Fuck! No! Where are you?
My voice is shaking. I've officially lost control. I'm on Clinton. Where are you? <laughs> Have you walked away from a main street? Yes. Go towards it. And I take off, my back to the setting sun that has just begun to peek around the old red brick. I have to trust that he got off at the right stop. I have to trust that he's close. I have to trust that I'm heading in the right direction. I have to trust that we'll find each other. And each stride pulls me apart. I'm stretched out, my body ready to snap back to all of the responsibilities the bus represents at the second I can no longer withstand the tension. I had chosen to guess that he was east of me because the through street was more obvious. And if we're going to make it, he couldn't be far. Two minutes. As I run, I shout into the phone, Do you see someone running like a fucking maniac? <laughs> what? Do you see me? <laughs> I stop abruptly at the corner of the next street and I glance up at the street sign and discover I guessed correctly and yet he is still nowhere to be seen. Where are you? A woman sitting in the pink folding chair beside a convenience store looks up at me and then gestures across the street. <laughs> I follow her arm and I see him, his bag slung over his shoulder, walking towards me and the intersection. Dave? I pant into the phone. My voice trembles with a cocktail of panic, only vaguely controlled by the adrenaline coursing through my veins. I need you to run. <laughs> left. Left. My mom taught us this marching song she'd picked up as a child, and whenever we would go for especially long walks, we'd sing it. Dave and I traveled everywhere together to school in the morning, home, whichever one it was that day, every night. In grade six, my class went on a trip for three days up north, which at the time, by my recollection, was the longest consecutive streak we'd been of separation we'd had since he came into this world. My body revolted. The first night, after being kept up in part due to homesickness, I vomited from the top bunk all over my friend's bags. <laughs> so a life on the road can only be seen in segments by those of fixed address. A childhood in transit can only be seen and understood in full by those who, on the, who are on the train with you. One minute. I hang up. I slip the phone to my pocket and take off and back into the direction I'd just come, refusing to look back to see if he was following me. <laughs> foot underneath foot, tired legs pounding into the solid sidewalk cement. The sun still peaks around the red brick, now half blinding me as I try to dodge the confused pedestrians. Everything I brought with me was back on the bus, and so there was nothing to weigh me down. Halfway back up the block, at the, out of the corner of my eye, I catch movement. 
from the other side of the street. Someone is matching my pace. Another few strides and Dave's distinctive curly hair come into view. His olive green backpack sagging and being pulled backwards by the wind. I steal a glance across the street and see him sprinting, running with the vigor to match every ounce of anxiety that my now expanded lungs were forcing from my chest. Stride for stride, he matched me. Two neurons from the same synapse. Left, left, left my wife and 45 kids in a starving condition with nothing but gingerbread think I did. Right, right. Right from the country, Hayford, Strawford, shift my jingle left, left. Around the corner as he darts through traffic to get onto our street. In front of us, only one bus remains. I beat Dave to the door, but stand to the side so he can board first. And as he does, I turn to follow him. Nodding at the bus driver, stealing a glance at the woman who's kept the, my bus distracted, trying to convey my thanks without words, I slump into my seat. Dave's adjusting his bag beside me. The bus pulls away and into the New York traffic. We don't speak of what just happened, of what just almost happened. We don't need to. So thank you for listening to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life-collecting business. You can like us at facebook.com slash stories we don't tell podcast. If you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca. This episode of the Stories We Don't Tell podcast is brought to you by the old college try. Experiment a little.